Welcome back, listeners, to The Real Housewives of Hockey. As always, I'll be your host, kind of, maybe, sort of, hopefully, Riley. And now, I'll go to Stu. Hey, I'm Stu, uh, writer for multiple publications, including the Hockey News, over my tenure as a sports journalist, uh, currently at Centennial College in their sports journalism postgrad program. Hi guys, uh, Evan here. So I'm a Canadian American, uh, born in Montreal, raised in Jersey, and I'm a semi-optimistic Habs fan. Pain for Shane seems to be a success so far, but Batman's probably going to screw us over in the lottery. So fingers crossed. We'll see. Yeah, right. He is. <laughs> so as I said, I'm Riley. Um, I am the writer of my own texts and emails, um, and. After having seen Shane Wright live yesterday, I'm not sure you want him. So that optimism of tanking, hopefully it continues into next year and you go for Bedard. Anyways, so today we're here to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. The thing that matters, if you will. So to start it off, we have Florida versus Washington, where we had a 2-1 lead for the Panthers heading into this, looking at the regular season series. There's Calgary and Dallas which the the, uh, the lead goes to the Flames at 2-0-1. And then we have Toronto-Tampa Bay, which the series was tied at 2-2. And then we had Edmonton and LA, which is 3-1 for the Oilers, followed up with Carolina and Boston, which was a 3-0-0 for the Her- Hurricanes. Hurricanes. I tried to mix Carolina and Hurricanes. You get Hurricanes. Today I learned. Then... We have Colorado and Smashville, and the Predators led that 3-1. Then we have the Rangers in Pittsburgh, where the Rangers lead 3-1. And then Minnesota and St. Louis, which is 3-0-0. So first, we're going to talk about Florida and Washington. Evan, you want to give us your opinion? So the goal of what we're going to try to do for each series is we're going to try to come to consensus to give you the Real Housewives pick and the amount of games that the series is going to go to. Take it away, Evan. All right, thanks, Riley. Um, looking at the series, just initially my thoughts, the main thing that really stands out to me is goaltending because you don't get anywhere without really strong goaltending in the playoffs. And unfortunately for Washington's case, I just don't see real ace or stud in the net for them, right? They don't have a guy like Brandon Holpe that they did that helped them you know, win the cup back in 2018. So that's the first thing that stands out to me. Uh, and then the other thing overall, it's it's really OV versus all of Florida's forward core, I feel like. Because without Ovechkin, the Caps aren't going anywhere. Um, Florida, they just have so many weapons in that forward group. They can mix and match however they want to. And I, I still think that they're going to be successful in whatever way. And then one, one more quick thing before I pass it on to you guys. Um, Florida's special teams in terms of their penalty kill isn't great if you actually look at it statistically but I think it's just a byproduct of the way they play um, clearly we've seen that they have the ability to come back um, even if they're down like 3-4 goals because Florida has the best offense in the league this year so far Yeah, don't count them out at any times in the playoffs that's an underrated ability I think that might even translate in the playoffs so I'll pass it on to you guys quick over under which I'm going to get Evans and then Stu's over or under on Sam Bennett getting suspended in the first round? You know what? I'll go over because I want to see a Sam Bennett Tom Wilson thing go happen. You know, just see that. It'll be fun. Come on. 
Overall, I, I think he'll keep himself in check. I think I think he knows what's on the line here. So, and then, Evan, I'm going to pass it back to you, because you didn't give us who your winner is and the amount of games. Okay. Um, to me, uh, I am taking Florida as a winner. Uh, the games, I'll say six, only because I think Ovechkin's not going to want to lose, obviously. I think he might drag them out to a win, one, one, of, those, one of those games. And I think just a little bit of the experience and a bit of the inexperience from Florida, because... If you look at it, Florida hasn't been out of the first round in a very, very long time, especially with this current court. That they they had. Yeah, basically. So, final, rather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you, Stu. Um, so with this current court that they have in place, they, they have never made it out of the first round. So I think there's going to be a little bit of growing pain, some struggles going up against a more experienced team. But I think ultimately that will help them down the line. So that's why I'll say six games. Well, one of the interesting things with Florida is they have the best offense since, like, the 90s, averaging over four goals a game this year. I think that this is going to be the Panthers in five. Short, sweet, and to the point. I like it. Evan mentioned that the Panthers lack experience when they have Jumbo Joe, who has more experience than pretty much the rest of the team in his pinky. He's been to one cup final, four or five conference finals, and then a whole whack ton of playoff games outside of that. Won the world champion. Won the world, the world cup one year. Uh, Olympics. He's got he some knows, he knows how to play. He's got some experience under his belt. Hopefully can bring that. And I, as far as it goes, we mentioned the, like, the pure offense that the Panthers have. Scoring four goals, 4.11 goals per game. So above four goals a game. And because of that, the fact that uh, Washington has literally zero depth. Unless Ovi's scoring five goals a game, I think they lose in four. So I'm taking four. We have a, a five and a six. I would be willing to say the five because, you know, maybe there's one game where Florida take a bunch of penalties so they can't get that offense going as much and they get scored on on the PK a lot. PK a lot and Ovi gets to be in the Ovi spot and scores a bunch on the power play. I could see it being five. I don't see it being six. So, Evan, can we talk you down to five? I said six, but I, I mean, I gave a little bit of reasoning to it, that hence why my, why my answer is the lengthiest among uh, among the three of us. But, like, it was really, like, five or six games in my head. If all goes well, I, I definitely see this as a five-game series. I, I said six out of, just out of, like, in terms of context of, like, irony, I already gave the reasons why, the inexperience of the current core right now. And when I say the core, I mean, like, the big, the, the big players, um... On this team, right? So Barkov, Huberdo, Ekblad. Um, but you're right. The, the jumbo thing, I, I, I will admit, I did, didn't really think of too much. Um, the only reason why is because in a depth role, but you can't underestimate that leadership, um, in playoff context. So yeah, you can, you can put me down to five. I can go All with right. five because I had five or six in my mind. Great. So Real Housewives pick Florida and five. On to Calgary and Dallas. For this series, I think it just comes down to the Calgary are a bit more of a powerhouse. Dallas sort of limped their way a bit through the season. Obviously, some of that was injuries, and they struggled to find a goaltender for a while. But Brayton Holpe played well for them. But uh, I, I just think that Daryl Sutter's got this Calgary team. He's righted the ship. We've got some fantastic players in. Plus Lindholm and 
Johnny Hockey, who had basically a career year this year. Have fun paying that contract. Uh, but I think I think this will be Calgary and probably five again. Yeah, so I I agree with Stu. I think Calgary's definitely a powerhouse. I really like the point of um Sutter really um having this team going the right way. I think he's been a really big part of that. Um, you know, with the players that they have, I think they kind of know like each player knows what their roles and responsibility is, so that's good and like no one brought this up yet, but the fact that Calgary has four thirty goal scorers on their team, like four thirty plus goal scorers on their team, is pretty ridiculous. They have two guys with over a hundred points with Goudreau and Gutschok, and Elias Lindholm has had a pretty fantastic year, eighty two points. Um, I think they'll be able to overpower the um, the Stars in terms of scoring, and also I think all they need to do is shut down the Stars' top line of Rope Hins, Jason Robertson, and Joe Pavelski. And I don't really know how much more offense there is out of that Dallas forward group. So definitely uh, Calgary in in five for me, at least, for sure. I'll give them the benefit of being able to eke out maybe, like, one win. But, like, in all honesty, I could really see this as a sweep, to be honest. I think this might be the most lopsided uh, first-round matchup that we have in the playoffs this year. We each gave them a courtesy win. <laughs> so, yeah. well, I haven't given mine yet, so you might want to wait. I go Calgary in six, and my reasoning is I think Jake Ottinger can steal one game. I think the mix of that top line that we mentioned that you said, oh, Calgary will shut him down, you can't dismiss them that quickly. Like, they're really elite. I've been really elite. Um, Jason Robertson is a star of the future, literally was the the 23rd player under 23 to have 40 goals in a season. So can't count that out. Um, Joey Pabs knows how to play play playoff hockey. He'll be willing to score it off his face if he has to. He knows how to draw penalties. We're all are we all just saying that Tyler Sagan doesn't exist anymore? Is that like that it? I know we had a down here. I know he's coming back from being hurt and like a bad injury. But are we just saying he doesn't exist? Because I could see him turning up for playoffs, and I'm not saying he'll take over and dominate the series, but I don't see him literally being worth less than. Nothing. So, I could definitely see Dallas taking two games. I don't see them taking the series. I, I think you made a good point, Riley, with Jake Ottinger. I mean, I'm a Jake Ottinger fan. I think he's a good goalie. And yeah, like, Sagan, I mean, he finished the year with 24, 24 goals. Oh yeah, he picked it up as of, like, the last, yeah. I would say, 25 games of the season. Him and Ben picked it up a bit. So, that, I mean, that's good for them, but I just, I just think this Calgary team... Up the bottom, I think, yeah, there's not, they're not like too flashy with some of their like bottom six guys, but they could definitely get it done for them. I'm looking at it now, actually, the goal, the goal spread amongst the Flames, and they have, they have three 40 goal score guys. Drew has 40, which is kind of crazy to be honest. And then considering, I don't know, I, we view him as like an elite, at least I view him as an elite playmaker in terms of him being at his best. Lindholm has 42 goals, and Kachuk has 42 goals, and then Mangiapane has 35, so quite potent there. <laughs> but if Ottinger has two good nights, that's two games gone. That's true. I, I really think Ottinger has at least one great game in him to get them yeah. on. And I think the other one would be, you know, different guys chipping in, right? right? Like like a Sagan, a Ben, right? And who knows, from the bottom six, you know, because <laughs> it's the playoffs, right? You might get the odd goal, and... Right, we haven't even talked about like their their defense is 
solid, I, I think. Dallas, um, and, like, they have some good defensemen there, so I can definitely see. You could make an argument that Dallas has the better decor. I mean, I'll, you know what, Stu? I'm actually curious to hear what you, what you have to think about that. I think Calgary does have the better one for the record, but I think you could make the argument Dallas has the better one. Thank you for clarifying that, because I think that provides a better context. Yeah, cool. I think, like, the way that Hannafin, Shillington, Chris Tanev, even as one of my friends that um, follows and covers the team said on Twitter, Erica Branson's been good for them. Former Kingston Frontenac, always have to mention that. Take a drink! <laughs> That's why I picked Calgary in five. So, I'm willing to bring it down to five, but... Like it, like I think, I think I could definitely see it being six. I think we all agree it's not going to be a sweep. Can we say that? Yeah, I think yeah, Dallas. Yeah. Dallas will take a game. So, the Real Housewives pick is Dallas in five. Nope, Calgary in five. Try that again. Yeah. <laughs> On to Toronto and Tampa. So, as our uh, resident Leaf expert, I go to you, Stu. Oh, this is such a tough series. They've played weird games during the season series. Like, the last two games, Toronto blew out Tampa, then Tampa blew out Toronto. And I don't know how much you can glean from either of those games. But I was reading a preview from The Athletic today, and they were really saying if it turns into a run-and-gun sort of series, the Tampa beat writer, Joe Smith, uh, he favored Toronto, but it's, <laughs> I, I think this game, this series is going to seven coin flip on who wins. It depends totally, like, depends on who's healthy for the Leafs. Muzzin won't be. And how, and how they decide <laughs> to pick the defense. Um, but you gotta pick. I will take Tampa in seven, just because they're the two-time cup champions and the Leafs are cursed. Tampa and five. I don't trust Campbell as of recently. Um, he's played like an AHL goaltender for the most part. Disagree. Since he's been back, like, the last, like, two weeks, he's actually played at, like, a 920. Okay. Okay. That does change things. But, I I mean, again, so what I'm hearing is if he's hot, great. If he's not, you're out in four. So I'm still putting it at five because Vasilevsky, we've seen, can be a great goaltender for a whole playoff series more than once. And for the whole playoffs in general, we've seen it happen. We've seen we've seen Kucherov turn it up. We've seen Stamkos turn it up. We haven't seen Mitch Marner turn it up. We haven't seen uh, Matthews turn it up. So I don't even know if they have another gear. In fact, they usually seem to regress in the playoffs. They didn't have Michael Bunting before. They didn't have Michael Bunting before. Yeah, so unless Bunting's the difference, the rookie of the year, or should be, then I think it's Tampa and five. Also, unfortunately, I love Morgan Riley, but he's no Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman on his own can take over games. Interesting. So I'm going to fall between you guys. I have I have Tampa in six. Okay, first of all, experience, right? And we just talked, you mean, Riley, you just talked about game breakers. Like, I just, part of me, even as a Habs fan, right, <clears throat> I recognize the talent that Matthews is, freaking 60 goal scorer. It's insane. And, like, I just feel like, I want to say and I want to think and believe that Matthews is going to be their best. He has to be their best player if they're going to do anything. Right? And so, like, 
I'm hoping that he can take a step forward. Yes, I'm saying this even as a Habs fan, just from a talent perspective, it's just good for the league to see him take a step forward and like win a game or two for, for Toronto. That's why I have them in six. I think Matthews is that freaking good. And if Matthews is going, I think the byproduct of that, or even for that to happen, Marner has to be going. So if you have those two going, I think you could really have a really fun series to watch. Think back to Tampa and Boston when Tampa, Tampa's top line of like Kucherov, Point, right? Uh, Stamkos took on Bergeron, Martian, Pasternak. That was so much fun to watch. Um, I'm hoping for a little bit of the same of that, but ultimately, I mean, just Tampa top to bottom, the experience, it's proven. They're back to back Stanley Cup champions. Like Riley said, Victor Hedman is a literal game breaker. He can take over games. He's that good. And Vasilevsky, right? I'd said this at the beginning of the episode so far. Like, you don't go anywhere without fantastic goaltending. And Vasilevsky has shown that, like, he's still considered the best goalie in the world. I think largely in part due to his, his ability to perform well in the playoffs. So, um, Tampa and six for me. Okay, I have a quick prop bet once again. Who gets hurt first, Stamkos or Tavares? I mean, who knows? You know what? For the sake of like, for the sake of the series being as fun and entertaining, I really hope, like, I really hope neither of them get injured. To be honest. Like, Stamkos has had a terrific year. It'd be kind of sad, because it's his, it's the first year he really been healthy, mostly speaking. And because of that, it's his first 100-point season, right? So so Evan gets no money on the prop, but that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, Stu, I'm curious. Yeah. Anything to say on that? I guess I'm going to say Stamkos, just because more of his injuries have been, like, chronic things. Like, Tavares' injuries in his career have mostly been sort of freak accidents, like last year with Corey Perry's skate. One of the things I wanted to bring up um, as to why Leafs, Leafs fans should have a little bit more optimism going into the playoffs this year than they have in the past. Michael Bunting. Well, Michael Bunting. But sneaky X-Factor player, David Camp, because... He can legitimately, as a third-line center, match up against top-line centers and not be totally out of his element because he's just so good defensively. Is he fast enough and, to keep up with point? Uh, I don't know that he's necessarily fast enough, but he's smart enough. Um, and that's the thing that they, the Leafs haven't really had in all of, I would say, all of their first-round exits recently is... The ability to play <laughs> line against top lines if they want to get either the Tavares line or the Matthews line away from the other team's top line. And I think that that could be a sneaky factor that people don't necessarily think of. Like, the least third line, if Andre Kasha is not playing, doesn't really have a whole lot of offensive upside, but they don't necessarily need to if they can go even with a top with another team's top line. David Camp, Philip Deneau at home. That's that's an interesting um observation, Stu. I'm curious to see how that pans out. I honestly um, thought your your surprise X Factor was gonna be Rasmus Sandin and what he can bring offensively in the playoffs and especially in the power play. Because the Leafs have had a lack of shooting from, from their like point areas from like, whether that's a forward who's back there, because I know Marner plays back there a bunch, or if it's whoever it's been, Morgan Riley's never been the greatest point shooter. But Sandine, last year's playoffs, did score a playoff goal. 
by taking a nice slap shot on the power play. So I thought you might mention him. It's gonna be, I think it'll be fun. It's going to be incredibly interesting to see what Sheldon Keefe does with his defense because you've got Jake Muzzin coming back from injury. Um, not sure how much you want to temper his workload. Uh, you've got Rasmus Sandin coming back from injury. Then you've got Lilligan who's been playing well. well. Like Lilligan's been playing well. Uh, Labushkin, sort of the physical prowess you want in the playoffs. Hasn't necessarily been fantastic, um, but it's been pretty good, I would say. And then, like, obviously Morgan Riley's playing. Like, just does Justin Hall sit? Does Labushkin sit? Uh, it. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what Sheldon Keefe does with his defense and mm-hmm. how much it changes during the series. Uh, just a an interesting thing to watch and. Tampa don't have the crazy third line they did because the cap, <laughs> because they couldn't spend the money. <laughs> well, no, no one was hurt all year. <laughs> yes, that's true. But they saw Yanni Gord leave, Blake Coleman gone, Barkley Goodrow gone. Yep. Um, and that was their so, that was their two way shutdown line that would would still pot goals was great in transition play. So that is a big difference. Uh, what can we talk this game down to? You said seven, Evan said six, I said five. Sounds like it's a six. I could, I Tampa could and six. Here, let me add one more thing in here quickly. Just, yeah. Just cool. to touch on points you guys brought up. For me, I'm curious to see what Ilya Mikheyev can do for you guys, for the Leafs. Because I think that he might score a big goal. Probably on the PK. One of those games that the Leafs win. I'm being serious, like when I say that. And then in terms of I'm looking at Tampa Bay's um, roster with their lines after I looked at the Leafs when you guys were um, giving your points. Um, so Anthony Sorelli is listed as their third line center. <laughs> he's He might not score that many points, but he's pretty good defensively. So we'll see how that matchup kind of goes for him. Right now he's listed as playing with Alice Kalorn and Brandon Hagel. So <clears throat> is that better than the Leafs' current third line of David Kemp, um, Ilya Mikheyev, and, um, who else is listening? Sure. Right? I retort back with how much do you believe in PTO, but. Right? But, like, even then, I still think, um, I still think that fourth line is actually pretty good for Tampa. Maroon, Pierre Edward, Belmar, and, uh, Corey Perry. I think that's a pretty good fourth line, to be honest. Um, they've so... been, in the last half of the season, they've been the place where offense goes to die, I was reading. Really? I thought it was where offense goes to get punched in the face. <laughs> no, it's like, Offense dies on their sticks. <laughs> um, they haven't been contributing much, but you never know. Corey Perry had a pretty solid playoff for Dallas a couple of years ago. Looked pretty good for Montreal last year. Pat Maroon always wins a cup. I don't underestimate the Pat Maroon effect, I guess. Um, <laughs> good for that series? Yep. Tampa and six. On to Edmonton and LA. So, I'll start us off this time. I think that Edmonton's going to pull through. The big injury to uh, to Drew Doughty is the big difference maker. I think Evander Kane, as much as I don't like him as a person, I know what he can bring, and they have no one that can stop him. If he wants to get to the net, no one's pushing him away from it. He's going to be in the crease all game long. Jonathan Quick's going to hate Evander Kane. And, oh, by the way, I should just mention, if you do actually give him attention, Evander Kane, you're now leaving either Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid open. Good luck! 
So as much as I think the downfalls of Edmonton are their goaltending can be very streaky. As of right now, they're going into it really hot. And their defense doesn't look great. Their defenses look good as of recently. They get the puck out of their own end quick. Not necessarily pretty, but quick. And that's all you really need out of a D. So I give it Edmonton and four. I will go to Stu because he gave a big eyebrow raise, shocked reaction. And I want to hear the stark contrast. And I'm excited. I'll start start this off by saying I can see Edmonton winning this series. I don't see it happening in four. Just because I don't know that I trust Edmonton's depth. They just haven't been there. And that's, I don't know, it's just constantly been the story with Edmonton. I'm picking the upset. I think that Los Angeles are going to take this series in six. I think Jonathan Quick has shown that he's set it back this year. He's been bet- way better. And I I think that the, the Los Angeles Kings, they're young, they're hungry. I think that nobody expected them to be here. I think that that, that gives them the, the sort of mental upside to Edmonton, who every year for the last couple it's been. Why hasn't Connor McDavid won more than one playoff series? So my pick is Los Angeles Kings in six. Yeah, this is a this is a very intriguing one for me. There's as much as I want to see McDavid and Drysaddle win. I I'm gonna kind of agree with what Stu said about the depth. I don't know about the depth. Um, I think they're I think Edmonton's top six. I think they figure things out um, the second half of the season, um, especially bring Vander Kane on. Just I don't know. Like Smith's played great, but also Quick's played great coming into the play, uh, playoffs as well. And like I just think Jonathan Quick has like one last hurrah on him to really show like why he's a Hall of Fame goalie. So uh, I mean, we know how crazy Quick can be. He's like one game he could just be nowhere, and the next game he could just be like absolutely inhuman. And like playoff Quick is Quick. I don't want to necessarily bet against. Um, especially compared to, like, Mike Smith. I mean, Mike Smith has played solid. He's had one really great run back in the day with, like, the Coyotes when they faced the Kings in the Western Conference Finals back in 2012. Other than that, there hasn't really been a large, sustained playoff run for Mike Smith in his career, at least one that comes to mind, unless I'm wrong. You guys point that out. But, you know, that's really the only sustained playoff run that Mike Smith's ever had in his career. So um, definitely the idea of... LA, the edge. I think the experience is really going to help. I think having that combination of Kopitar, Deno is really going to help them shut down, you know, make David dry settle the shutdown, the degree of it. We'll see. But I think can't underestimate that if Deno is able to shut down Matthews last, last year. Um, and, and, you know, he's done the same throughout like Montreal's run last year. I think that really helps. Um, the only thing is the Dowdy injury. We'll see how that affects things. Um, but I think as a team cohesively, I think LA plays a more structured game. I think that will allow them to be more successful in the playoffs. So, All right. I got to respond to your point first. Okay. Dano and, uh, and Kopitar are going to play on separate lines. So you're picking one line to send a shutdown guy at, let's say you're sending Dano at, uh, at Connor McDavid. Cool. Try to shut him down. One, you're not going to fully shut him down, but let's say you're sending all your attention at him. All right, sweet. 
You still have to deal with Vander Kane and uh, and Leon Dreisaitl. Throwing I w- like you pull the RV out a decent year. Yeah, but like like my point being, like no, I'm just saying that top line. Like you're, ma- I'm matching up top line versus whatever line they throw at them. Sure, you can try to shut down McDavid. You won't fully shut him down. We can all agree to that. And Vander Kane had 22 goals in 43 games, which is elite. And then on top of it, as I mentioned, there's no defenseman on on uh, L.A. strong enough to deal with him. They, no one's keeping him away from Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick won't be able to see a single shot all series when Evander Kane's on the ice. I, as good as he is, you're not stopping pucks when you cannot see them. As Sean Van Allen used to like to tell me, a bad goalie is stopping like 7 out of 10 that he can, that he can see. <laughs> so, I still think Edmonton in 4. You guys are both saying L.A., though. <coughs> This is gonna be a tough one to come to consensus on. The, the yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, like I, mean, I, Evan, I want to respond to another point you said. You said that Montreal's never had an extended run. Cool. I don't care. I'm not saying that Edmonton's winning the cup. I'm just saying they're getting out of this series. And if they're coming, he's coming in hot. And if they continue to be hot for four games, then they're done. That streak can end there, and then they lose all the next four, and they're done. Yeah, but the, 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 there's something that has been raised. We raised the fact that Dowdy is out, but also what about the effect of Nurse being out for Edmonton? It's much smaller. Really? Much uh, smaller. I mean, Stu, I, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that with Nurse being well, out. Yeah, really can well. I say why it's much smaller? Because Drew Dowdy was like their best, one of their best point-producing defensemen, whereas Edmonton's played practically the whole year without Nurse and then have been really good as of recently, without Nurse, whereas LA's looked not as good. Like, they had, like, a 9-3 loss or something, like, two weeks ago without him. So, like, and then they come back and they look good the next game. So, they like, they really sway in how they look. Whereas yeah. Edmonton has looked consistent, especially after getting a new head coach. Without, But my point is, they've done a lot of this without Nurse. Nurse is kind of an irrelevant factor for them at yeah. this point. Whereas Can, Dirty I, can, I, can I point one thing out that you just said there? Right. Yep. And I'm not like fundamentally disagreeing with you. And, and it's just, you said Dowdy being, you know, whatever being, yeah, Dowdy's only played 39 games this year. So just that's, I think that's an important like thing. Correct. Like he, he probably didn't know that. That's okay. I just want to point that out. Dowdy's only played 39 games, 39 games this year. He's been excellent though. In those 39 games that he's played though. How many is nurse played? Let me, uh, uh let me go, go check that. I'm pulling that up. Yeah. Um, nurse. Yeah. I, I did want to bring that up just to give you an idea. Nurse has probably played more. I mean, yeah, he's played more substantially. Nurse has played 71 games this season. Um, so just to do the stat breakdown very, very quickly, Nurse has 35 points in 71 games. Doughty has 31 points in 39 games played. So your point still stands, but I, I, I did want to point that out to give context to our listeners. But I still think Nurse is a very important player to Edmonton. He was logging like 30 minutes a night last year in the playoffs for Edmonton. Yep. Um, so, you know, very important player in that sense. Yeah, he might not score as prolifically, let's say, on a regular season comparison to Doughty, but it's the playoffs. It's different. I'm not disrespecting him as a player for the record, just more like I think Edmonton's fared better without him versus LA faring without Doughty. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, do you, I, I think that's very questionable. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, so that's why I'm not yeah. hard agreeing, disagreeing. Right? I say questionable just because I don't know what the numbers are. But nurses missed like 
11 games? Yeah, 11 games versus Dowdy missing over half the season. So, yep. right, this, it's, it's a pretty big difference there. But when, when did Edmonton go get red hot? Pretty much at the end. When did Nurse get hurt? Pretty much at the end. Uh, when was the last, last game for Edmonton? 20, what, 28th? I think so. His last game played was April 22nd. I don't know what, I don't know what Edmonton's yeah. last 10 games are. Um, I mean, I could check very quickly, but I don't know. I, I think it's questionable. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think it's questionable yeah. only because I haven't seen the numbers, but, uh, Stu, just quickly, did you have anything to add to what we were saying? Well, I question how a team with Tyson Berry and Cody Cece can win a playoff series, personally. Uh, having watched Cody Cece as a Leaf, I don't trust it. I know he was better in Pittsburgh, and I think that I, I think he's been fine this year in Edmonton. I, I just, I, he, he scares me. Yeah. Um, in the battle of, uh, Kingston, former Kingston Frontenac, Warren Fogel versus Gabe Velarde. See which uh, former Kingston Frontenac can come out. Um, I could be, I could be swayed to an Edmonton in six. Like the depth isn't but, that bad. Like I, like as much as I, you hate to hear it, like Zach Hyman's there, Hopkins is there. Uh, Zach Cassian will provide a lot of important moments, not necessarily points, but moments. Same with Warren Fogel. Both provide a very big physical edge in the depth. Evander Kane, we already talked about him a bunch. Archibald, very serviceable, especially defensively. Derek Ryan, very good defensively. Paul Yarvey has had a great season. Uh, Yamamoto has had a great season when he's been healthy. Devin Shore, good defensively. Uh, Ryan McLeod, kind of a big question mark in my eyes, but he's only 22, so he's allowed to be. Derek Broussard has been a playoff goat for a lot of teams. Like that Ottawa team without Derek Broussard? No, not making that conference final. Yeah, but I think the Derek Prasad of now versus then is very different. Derek Prasad of before was a legitimate top six center versus okay, now yeah, he's a bottom he's being, six center. He's not being asked to play top six center. Oh, for sure. I'm just, I just, I'm just saying though, distinctly in terms of where the player is at his career, I think it's very different. I'm not saying he wasn't a good player, right? But it's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like two different. Right. For sure. But just my point being, like, he has performed in the past, and I think that he could still provide a lot of benefit for them this year. Like, I don't think their depth's as bad as everyone thinks it is, as long as you can... No, I, I, I like, I'm not... Maybe with what I said, I, it sound, I'm not saying, like, oh, they're trash or something. I just... It's not flashy, right? Maybe it doesn't get the coverage yeah. it gets, and so that's maybe why we have the, the, the thoughts that we do. But I think they're, they've been solid, right? I think Edmonton has had a fairly good season, to be honest. Overall, when you look at it, right, with that big, that, that change behind the bench with, uh, Croft, right? Um, I think that, that's really helped things and groups seem to mesh well with him. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. This is definitely going to be an interesting one, but let's figure out a consensus here. Edmonton in seven? Stu, what, what number of games do you have in mind right now? Like Stu said earlier to me, like he could see. Sorry, go ahead. I, I shouldn't talk for you. Yeah, I could be. I could be convinced into an Edmonton in six or seven. Like I actually think Edmonton's probably going to win if it's less the less games it is for the reasoning of we talked about the streak aspect of uh, of Mike Smith. But 
Like if I, I if we're trying to find a consensus, I still think it's going to be Edmonton. That's why I'm willing to go to seven. Yeah, no, but still, I want to get like a definitive answer out of you before I say anything. Edmonton in seven. This is this is see. I agree with what Riley just said right now with the logic there. I think if it's nice, hot, and short, I think Edmonton can win. I think if it the longer this thing goes, the, the more of an advantage to like given the experience, right? Everything. But else. even if like if Edmonton come out of the gates hot, win three, go down two, and then like you know, I think they'll they could close out eventually. It's whether or not yeah, they yeah. Out I'm of- I, I'm not necessarily seeing that though. That's the thing. Like, I, I don't know if that will necessarily happen, right? I'm not saying it won't or can't. I just see it as a less likelihood, right, given the, I don't know, playoffs and stuff. Maybe I think teams are really going to, like, kill each other for the first two games. We're really going to see that <laughs> across the league. So that's why I'm hesitant to say that. Maybe for, even for this series. But I don't know. I we You all said seven, right? Edmonton and seven so far? The thing is, is that if you say seven, I, I don't know why. Like, instinctually, I say L.A. in seven. That's the problem. I can hear you. I only, like I said, my reasoning oh, like, was... It's because of the, the experience, right? Like, in that game seven scenario, right? Because of the the, the playoff experience that these... They're no, you, you, can't, you can't start saying in this specific game that could possibly happen. Because for all we know, there could be terrible refing and L.A. takes 20 penalties in the game. So, like, let's not go to that. Okay, that's fair. And the Oilers dominated in the regular season. That's fair. That's fair. But I've also seen fair share of things happen in, in the postseason where, like, it's a completely different thing, right? Yep. You know, so, yeah, that's why I hesitate. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I still, I don't know why. I, I think, I think LA could still eke this out. But based on um, numbers and stuff, we'll say Edmonton. I'm not necessarily, not that I, I, I don't think Edmonton can win. But let's just say for the record, Edmonton and seven, because both of you say that. And but if it goes, it, I do agree though. The later it goes, the worse I like Edmonton's chances. But for the sake of like, for the sake of giving an answer, here. let's say Edmonton yeah. and seven. Again, I don't. I'm not necessarily. But like, yeah, let's go Edmonton and seven. Carolina, Boston. It's an interesting one here because Carolina's goaltending um, has been injured um, coming into the series. Uh, both Frederick Anderson and uh, Antti Ranta dealing with injury bug. Without injury bug on goaltenders, I think that the the pretty clear Carolina in four or five. With the injuries to goaltenders, I might be more inclined to take Boston. I'm not going to. I'm still going to take Carolina in five or six. I think I'll say Carol. I'll, I'll say Carolina in six because I think that they're a better built team. I think that their defense is stronger. I just don't think that Boston has the depth to run with Carolina for a long series. So I'm gonna say Carolina in five. Along the same lines as Stu, um, I think if you put an emergency backup in, the goaltending or sorry, the uh, defense and the forward depth is enough to eat most teams alive. And I think I think it's Carolina in four. As good as that top line is and how good they shut down, shut, go ahead. You can leave, you can have Sebastian Ajo, Shvenshtikov, and Tara Vinen have zero points. Uh, yeah, so the, the one interesting thing that this is, I don't think this is going to affect this year, but 
just contextually, two out of the last three playoff runs for Carolina ended with Boston beating them, actually. Got swept by Boston um, in the conference finals, and they lost to Boston, I believe, in five games. And then then last year, they lost to Tampa Bay in five games in the second round. So the, the two years before last year, um, in a row, they lost to Boston both times. Um, I think the team's different, but it's just something interesting that I saw that maybe our listeners um, might not know about. Evan, you're saying? Uh, Carolina in five. Carolina five? Cool. So we're just going to go with Carolina in five, because I think it's a sweep, but, I mean, the idea of Boston stealing a game isn't out of the question. I think we can all agree to that. Pretty easy to go through. Carolina, Smash, Smashville. Evan, you want to start us off with uh, Carolina, Smashville? Colorado. Colorado, Smashville. Oh, my Lord. Um, all... Thank you. Yeah, yeah, No, no, for sure. I think this is going to be a fun one. And I say fun because if Nashville upsets Colorado, everyone's brackets, practically everyone's brackets are going to be busted, which is super funny to me. So that's why I say what I just said. I think prevailing logic says Colorado should be able to win. And for me, right, even with Soros, but the thing is, is that there's no Soros. In the picture right now. I, I unless you guys have heard a time will return for UC Saros for the Nashville Predators. Okay, that changes things. But like without Saros, Nashville's kind of doomed. That's legitimately the way I looked at it. Not that they don't have good players this year, right? Duchesne's had a career year with like forty three goals, I believe, which is remarkable. Good for him. Uh, Forsberg's another like I think forty one goals. Uh, Yossi's played fantastic this year, uh, points wise. Yeah, and, like, they're a heavy team. They're a big team to play against, so I think they're going to do a little bit of damage to Colorado, even if they lose. I, I still think that they're going to wear Colorado a little bit down. I I believe that they have the capability to do that. So without Saros and everything, with career years that their players have had, it's a bit different from previous national teams, I feel like. I think, I think that Colorado will still win, so I'll say... Colorado in five, especially given a full Saros absence. I think the team maybe has like one game in them to really eke it out and, and win. So on that note, uh, Saros suffered an ankle injury, and uh, the weather, like the grade at which is unknown, but the lowest grade, a grade one, takes about two to three weeks to heal. So even if he comes back, and that's coming back, like, still hurt, you'll still have some point and joint, like, instability and stiffness when you come back. Even if you're coming back, injured he's not gonna be what he was and like with honestly with having Soros back in a top form I could make the argument that I could see an upset the series like sweep was pretty much the Predators that going three and one but with that injury as Evan pointed out yeah like I could see Colorado with four like I don't trust their backup goaltending big save Dave yeah don't trust big save Dave yeah, as much as I love Big Save Dave, I, I, like, every game that I've seen him play for them, like I've watched like, a period or two at least of those games, like it's just, I don't know, like he's not the same goalie he was when he was, you know, when he kind of was like a, became like a fringe starter or starter for, for Calgary. It just, it, he's, it's very shaky back there. And when I'm watching, it's like, he, he doesn't give me the reassurance that you want right out of a starting so, player. Even if he's filling in, right, it, it still doesn't give you the reassurance that you'd like. So, dude, just to wrap up, Colorado at four. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm Colorado in four or five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can talk me down to Colorado in four. I, I can, I can, I can totally see that. Uh, like, 
as great and prolific as, like, Duchesne's been, let's say Duchesne has a hat trick. Yeah, so Randon scored six on Dave. Well, the hmm. <laughs> this is the first time in Predators history they've had two guys over 40 goals. Yep. But it is true, yeah. Like, as, as incredible as their offense will be, it won't be better than Colorado's. And I don't like their decor, Nashville's, other than Yossi, really. So I just don't see a lot of upside coming out of Na- Nashville. As Like, they're built on offense and goaltending, and Colorado has a better offense and better goaltending. So are we saying in four? That's the, the housewives pick? Hey, right. You can get me down to the four, because I said five. Yep. yep. You know, yeah, I said four or five, so we're bringing it down to the four. This is the first certified tweet going to the Rangers and the Pittybergs. I will go last, so rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And Evan won. Evan, you go. Oh, I was going to say, Stu, I'm curious to hear what you have to say on this before I go. Well, so this one is interesting because I think that the level of which Igor Shosturkin plays could be this series in four for the Rangers, or it could be this series in five or six for Pittsburgh. I think that, like, on the other side, Tristan Jari has played a really good year. Last year, he had a really good year and then struggled in the playoffs, so it'll be interesting to see if he can find that extra gear for a playoff um, series this year. Uh, I... Obviously, for Pittsburgh, you've got the factor of this could be the last dance for Brosby, Malkin, Latang, with Malkin and Latang's contracts both coming up at the end of the year. I lean Rangers in this series. I think it's going to be Rangers in six. It's an interesting thing. Every single game I watch between these two teams, also context for our listeners, I'm in New Jersey, so I have like access to like most of the games I'm seeing are usually tri-state games unless NHL tonight is giving me another game. Um, but like having watched the Rangers pits, like Penguins games, the Rangers have like kind of killed them in the games that I've watched. Um, and like, I just, I think Igor Shosturkin is really the main reason why I have the Rangers winning this thing. I just think that like, again, it goes back to that point I made earlier. You don't go anywhere in the playoffs without great goaltending. And Igor Shosturkin has been, Absolutely fantastic this year. Without him, the Rangers, you could argue, wouldn't be a playoff team, honestly. Um, So, yeah, he is their ace. He is their X-Factor. He is the X-Factor of this series. Shosturkin plays well. Game over for Pittsburgh. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. Part of me, like, wants to see this go go, go to seven. So I'll say, like, Rangers in... uh, See, what did you say? I said Rangers in five. Oh, okay. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll temper it down a bit. I'll say Rangers Rangers in six because I feel like seven. I realize I'm like eh, seven. I'm like uh, sit in game seven could kill could kill the Rangers. Actually, um, I could definitely see that. But uh, so I'll say I'll say Rangers in six. I want to start this with saying this series could go multiple ways because we've seen Shostak play God mode. We've seen him play back down to earth and then back up again. Tristan Jari has played a consistent, I'm a pretty good goaltender, which he did last year too, and then I hit playoffs, and he went, I forget what I'm doing. So, if the goalies are, it really comes, like, if the goaltending for Pittsburgh is better than it is for the Rangers, I think Pittsburgh could steal some games. But, if there's an injury to the best player on Pittsburgh versus an injury on New York, well, 
Crosby gets hurt, series wrap, done, like, you should forfeit the rest of your games. Panarin gets hurt, you might just be fine. Like, it may not make that big of a difference in terms of whether or not you win the series. How quickly you do, sure. But you actually have depth. You're playing Lafreniere on your third line. If you had Laf on, on Pittsburgh, he would be on your top line. Because he'd be your third best player who isn't a center. Like, he would definitely be on the top line. Like, he's probably their second best winger. So if there's any injuries whatsoever to Pittsburgh in their t like to their top players, whether that's Latang, whether that's Malkin, whether that's Crosby, all of which have Gunsel. But I'm just gonna stick with these three for now because all of which have had injuries this season. So if any of those go down, like again, like Burke should go up to and say, Hey, can we just forfeit? I have Rangers in four. I'm assuming that the depth is gonna kill them, the decor is better, and I'm assuming that Shesterkin's not going to shrill up and forget how to play goaltending because it's the playoffs. So we have a 4, a 5, and a 6. We say 5? I'll say 5. Rangers and 5. Rangers and 5. Minnesota, St. Louis. The final series. The final series. I also think this will be the closest series. I have it going to... I don't know, man. It's really tough. I can't fight... I can't go against my boy Ryan Hartman. Ryan Hartman in 7. That's all I have to say, because St. Louis has the experience. They have goaltending that can either be amazing or terrible. I I mean, same with Minnesota. They have goaltending that can be amazing or terrible. So far, Fleury has been amazing, but we saw earlier this year him be terrible. Minnesota are fighting for their lives here, because after this year, their team's going to look very different because of the amount of money they have tied up in people that aren't playing for them. Cap Armageddon. Yeah, so we've the last dance for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's because they don't know who's going to be on the team. For the Minnesota Wild, it could be because of cap hell. St. Louis, still have Ryan O'Reilly. He's great. They still they have Bishnevich, who's looked incredible. They have a lot of younger guys who have looked really good. Tarasenko's been really good. Tarasenko? the fact that it sounded like he didn't want to be there. Yep, and then... I don't trust their decor like crazy defensively. Tori Krug's look good offensively. Justin Falk looks good in the offensive zone. And in their own end, don't look phenomenal. So I think it's a tight series. I really do. But I gotta go Ryan Hartman in seven. Stoop. I'm picking Minnesota in six. I again, I'm a, on the on the I am on this podcast on record uh, with my doubts of Jordan Bennington, and I think that I don't see him being better. Um, maybe if they decide to go to Billy Huso, I trust him more. Uh, but I still think that Minnesota are a better team overall. And I think that Kirill Kaprizov is the best player in this series. And I think that that, that pushes Minnesota over the edge, having the best player in the series. All right, I want to step in for two seconds. So who's the best series in the LA series, huh? Anze <laughs> Kopitar is the best player in the series. All right. Anyways, sorry, Evan. Continue. <laughs> no, no worries, Riley. Yeah, I think this is going to be arguably the closest one, closest matchup in the first round. I think it's going to be really fun to watch, and I, I see this as a seven-game series. Like it could go either way. The one thing that keeps prevailing in my head, though, is goaltending, and like. The fact that, yes, Bennington has experience, but he's kind of garbage. Yes, like St. Louis fans, he's kind of garbage in the in the postseason lately and also the regular season. My God, I watched that game against, what was it? It was St. Louis in, in Colorado, and I 
think even if St. Louis won the game, like Bennington was like he scared the living shit out of you, honestly, if you are a St. Louis fan. So yeah, I would not be looking forward to watching that. The other thing is that Huso is this weird wild card. He has zero playoff experience. Nada. He could play actually pretty well, pretty solid for them, right? Who knows? The thing is, is that Minnesota has two guys that could really play really freaking well for them. Talbot's played good as of late. Flurry, last game of the season, played much better. And the, 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 the four games before that did not play that great. So it's this mixed thing. But the thing is, is that Minnesota has two guys they can go to with confidence. Um, I think that they have the most dynamic player in Kaprizov. The only thing is that, I mean, St. Louis, that top nine is potentially lethal in a playoff scenario, right? I actually really like their top nine. And, yeah, but it really, at the end of the day, for me, it goes, it all goes back to goaltending. I feel like it's just, who's so having literally no experience in this scenario of how close the teams are matched? I think edge to Minnesota. So, um, I'm going to say Minnesota in seven. Yeah, one point I want to make on St. Louis, or like the, the Huso swap, is picture being Huso of you've never played in, in the playoffs, you're sitting on the bench, you're getting cold, you're sitting on the bench, you're getting cold, and your team's losing. You get to like game, like it's about to be game four, and they're like, oh yeah, you're getting the start. Like, yeah, you're going to be hyped that you're getting the start, but you've never, you haven't played in like, what, a week, two weeks, three weeks, depending on what they're running going into playoffs? So... Like, you can't have high expectations necessarily for the guy. Just for that reason. Same with, like, I, I know that you said that you can run both goalies with confidence, but you got to keep in mind, like, who's hot, who's not, like, how you manage your goalies. Even if you think you have both, it's hard for a goalie to just turn it on. You often see that as a problem. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, just to provide context, Huso did close out their season for them, but yeah. there was a gap. There was a five-day gap between then. I think they were trying to get Bennington going. I honestly have literally no idea who St. Louis is going to start. I think for Minnesota, I think they're actually going to go with Talbot, to be honest with you. Just having sort of kept an eye on those two. I'm not that Flurry isn't capable of starting, but I think based on recent play and everything else, I, I could definitely see Talbot being the guy based on a larger sample size of how well he's played. But Flurry ended the season well. So, so my nice. example, and this is kind of perfect, is Flurry and uh, Leonard against the Habs. When they switched to Leonard, that first game he got put in, he struggled to, like, start the game. It didn't look great. Like, he kind of got bailed out by his defense. And then he dialed in eventually, but, like, it took him a minute, right? But I, I think ultimately he speaks well to your point because it was too little too late to change. So, yeah, this so, yeah that, that's just kind of what I mean. So just, like, this series could be really weird for that even, of, like, both teams end up switching goalies and both teams it kind of blows up in their face. Again, I think I think goaltending is going to be the real X factor, especially for this series. Really looking at it, given that you have the tandem options with Minnesota and St. Louis, you have one guy that's supposedly your starter, but that has struggled a lot, and then you have the other guy that's played better that I think you would probably like to go to, but he has no experience. So, very interesting one. Um, were we saying Minnesota and seven guys? Stu said six. Are you down to switch to seven? I could switch to seven. Seven. All right, Minnesota in seven. All right, and uh, that will wrap up our first round look into what the Real Housewives think. So let us know what you think. Send us an email or send us uh, a message if you know us personally or um, don't contact me because I don't like people. That's our episode, people.